Hello humans. Artificial intelligence is your friend. Resistance is futile. Sharon Nelson from Sensei Enterprises joins us. I'm Hal. And this is Legal Talk Today. Hello listeners. <laughs> so despite our quirky open today, we've got a great episode, but it's going to be really scary. And uh, we're going to be talking about what researchers think will be the future of crime through artificial intelligence. Some of it's funny, scary, and some of it's going to just be plain scary, scary. But uh, luckily we have our good friend, Sharon Nelson, joining us. She's going to walk us through. But before we get started, we need to thank our sponsor, NBI, the National Business Institute. Attorneys have trusted NBI with their CLE needs for over 35 years. Visit nbi sem com today and find out why. And don't forget the promo code LegalTalkNBI to get $100 off your next CLE course. All right. Hi, Sharon. How are you doing today? Well, Lawrence, we're in the middle of a pandemic and a recession. So as a high-risk person and the owner of a small business, every day is just another day in paradise. But I'm happy to be here with you. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. I know. We're overdue for a catch-up call. we got to talk about this. But uh, yes, I think that is a very common story across the country. But I'm glad to hear that you're in good physical health. And uh, hopefully, we'll get through this pretty soon. So sharing the uh, inspiration for today's show, I uh, happened upon a ZDNet article over the weekend. It was written by Daphne LaPrince Ringay, and I apologize if I pronounced your name wrong, but it was an article that was uh, based on a uh, featured study from the University College of London, and it broke down three categories talking about artificial intelligence and these potential crimes that it may be committing coming up in the future. So I uh, painted a very dark picture. So it's uh, uh, weigh these in three different categories, high concern, moderate concern, and low concern. And in order to get there, they had four categories to make that determination, Sharon. And so the first was the harm it could cause. That was the first factor. The second was the potential for criminal profit or gain. The third was how easy the crime could be carried out. And of course, the fourth was uh, how difficult it would be to stop. And so they went and ranked these. I don't necessarily agree with these rankings, but I may need your help to flush that out. But uh, before we get to all that, Sharon, I would be remiss in my producer duties if I did not mention that you're the host of our digital detective show and our digital edge show but uh, you do much more than that you and your business partner he who must not be named on the internet aka John Simic you have a business called Sensei Enterprises you do a lot with digital security so can you tell us a little bit about that establish the bona fides and then we'll get started Sure, absolutely. We're a little bit of a boutique company. We're not big, but all of our employees are highly certified, and they provide digital forensics, IT, and cybersecurity services. And we've been around now for 22 years, so we must be doing something right, Lawrence. I agree, but you're always doing something right. That's why our motto around <laughs> here is the WWSD, what would Sharon do? A good motto that is. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so let's start with deep fake, Sharon. So that was the one that the study determined was the most dangerous. And so that surprised me because there's some other uh, options on here like driverless vehicles. There's military <laughs> robots. And to me, those seem much more dangerous. But for, for this study, they determined uh, that deep fakes were the most dangerous. So maybe if you could tell us a little bit about deep fakes, what they are, and what's the new spin that artificial intelligence puts on them? Well, deepfake videos, and I'll talk about audios, but deepfake videos are synthetic media where you take a person in an existing image or a video and you replace it with someone else's likeness, or the video is altered in some way, usually to portray them in a, in a negative light. Deepfake audios are really the same thing. It's a synthetic way of replicating someone else's voice. 
and and we're starting to see a lot of that going on. So the deepfake video uses two competing but collaborative AI systems. It uses a generator and discriminator, and you got to listen carefully, but it makes sense. The generator makes the fake video, and then the discriminator examines it and determines whether it thinks it's false. If the discriminator correctly identifies a fake, the generator learns to avoid doing the same thing the next time out. So together they form something called a generative adversarial network or a GAN. And if all that makes your head spin, you're not alone. Wow. So I think uh, one of the most notorious uses of this was uh, against the Speaker of the House, of course, Nancy Pelosi. And it showed her, I guess, apparently in a, and this was a false video, it wasn't actually her, but showed her in an inebriated state and kind of showed the potential of what this could be used for. So I guess creating uh, dissonance and political dissonance. That that one was not actually a, a deep fake because all they did was slowed the video down. So they by slowing it down, it made her sound drunk, but they didn't actually use the process we're talking about to make a, a deep fake video in that one. But it was scary all the same because people believed it was real. Yeah, that is that is uh, terrifying, and it's uh, often hard to prove otherwise, I guess, is my understanding of that. So. Driverless vehicles. Now, this one seemed obvious to me. Uh, you and I did an interview a couple of years ago in San Diego. I believe it was for ABA Mid-Year Meeting. We met up with our friends over at the Electronic Frontier Foundation, and I learned a bunch of scary things about my automobile. And uh, one of the things was that I don't own the software inside my car. So if I ever want to modify my, my Toyota Camry to go really fast, not that I would, but if I did... I don't own the software, so that's very difficult. But, uh, you know, these autonomous vehicles, uh, that's often been my terrifying thought after watching Terminator movies. How does the uh, <laughs> how does the artificial intelligence get unique for that? I mean, we don't want to lose control of our vehicles, but it's much more than that. Well, I, my concern where AI is a factor is that driverless cars could be easily weaponized. Either they could carry weapons, you know, without anybody having to commit suicide. So you don't have a suicide bomber, you have a car that dies. Uh, <laughs> and and they could deliver the weapons, but the car itself could be a weapon. If you think about, you remember in Charlottesville when we had that protest oh, yeah. here in Virginia, you remember that, that guy drove into a crowd of people. Well, he deliberately drove and it was a human being, but you could program a car to do the exact same thing. So it would be kind of easier and you're not risking your life if you're you know a violent person or a bad person you're not risking your life you just send the car down that that is the weapon yeah you know what i found curious about this study was that uh, in in the uh, three tiers you know they had this listed you know the the driverless vehicle is a high concern but military robots and like drones were uh down a different category why why do you think that is why are those less dangerous to uh i guess be uh, victimized by artificial intelligence well, they could they could become really dangerous to us, but right now we've kept them under human control pretty much. They, their potential dark side is terrible. So if we go ahead and make them autonomous, which some people have argued for, they will make decisions without human intervention, and that is terrifying. Yeah, I, I think so. I think I saw a Star Trek episode on that one time. It was a pretty terrifying result. So. <laughs> You Star Trek is a scientific source, right, Lawrence? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. So targeted or tailored phishing campaigns, I guess this is also known as spear phishing. So what is this and what about it will suddenly be made worse uh, with the introduction of artificial intelligence driving it? 
Well, the AI will be able to come up with better phishing attacks. Right now, you have people out there who can't spell. They don't have the correct grammar. They're guessing at what might work for people. When you use AI, AI is now going to say, all right, what is my best shot at a subject line to draw somebody's attention? How do I craft this with you know the appropriate English, uh, including Canadian English or British English, which is all different than American English? And so I think they're going to craft a far better phishing email that is much more likely to be clicked upon, etc. And even in, we're finding many more phishing emails are conversational phishing emails. So they want to start a conversation and AI is capable of sustaining that conversation, probably better than someone who actually lives in a foreign country and can't use the language as well. So that ups the ante. Yeah, that, that's interesting. So sort of using AI as sort of a feedback loop, uh, kind of critiquing the next attack and, uh, you know, st- storing the results of things that worked versus things that didn't. And I have to admit, I received, uh, right when the pandemic started, I received uh, some emails uh, that said they were on behalf of the American Bar Association, but I went and hovered over the link. It was not. So I'm really glad I didn't click on it, but somehow they got, <laughs> you know, got us information out there. So uh, that was that was pretty scary. Well, you still have to be careful, even if it shows the correct link when you mouse over. Um, That's something we've actually heard presenters get wrong. You know, if they're really good, these cyber criminals, they can make that link look like anything they want it to, including the valid link. So mouse hovering is no guarantee that you're going someplace safe. Well, this is new information. So uh, how do you what do you do with that? I mean, if you can't tell by hovering over it, how do you determine it's a uh, it's a safe email link versus not? Well, you just don't know. All I'm saying is it's no guarantee. So, you know, you, you you have to look at other factors. You know, for instance, were you expecting this email? Does this email make sense? Do you have a relationship with the company or the person? So, you know, for instance, I got something about my annual donation to Stanford University for their educational fund. Well, I, kn- I didn't go to Stanford. So that, that was pretty easy. <laughs> it didn't matter. But in the same way, these phishing folks, uh, they now can represent HTTPS sites. So it looks like it's secure. But they can buy those sites. They can buy the security. So it doesn't mean anything anymore. So our defenses are not as great as people think they are. <laughs> wow. And it's really, we get hit up all the time by like, uh, you know, cold call emails and things like that, where they just come in. And that, that really scares me. So I guess I'm just not going to click on anything ever again. <laughs> There you go. (laughs) All right. So we got fake news creation and data poisoning. Now, this one I would have flipped over. So fake news creation was listed as like a really uh, high concern element here. And data poisoning was listed as like a number two concern. For me, this should be reversed. Data poisoning uh, should be worse because, you know, that's databases or scientific study and whatnot. But they listed fake news creation as the the worst of the offenses. So I guess, Sharon, how does uh, AI interact with those two things? And why is fake news being counted? as a more dangerous threat in this case. I actually like the way they did it, and it seems the right result to me. Right now, um, artificial intelligence isn't very good at fake news creation. It just doesn't fully understand. It gets easily spotted at fake news, and it sometimes it sounds a bit artificial. But of course, it continues to get better. And the goal is to use AI ultimately to influence what people think and believe, which would be a true danger to democracy, among many other things. And of course, a lot of times that they'll use it for monetization 
monetary gain as well. But it, it, it will get better. And I'm worried it's going to get better very fast and that it's being prepped for the election. But that is a, a, a true great, great, great threat. So I worry about that a lot. Um, but I can't tell how good it's going to be. Now, the poisoning data is generally when somebody who has a malicious intent, they inject false training data with the aim of corrupting the ultimate AI product. Now, that's dangerous, but it's probably going to be picked up somewhere along the way. So really, any human bias, and so alarmingly many of them exist, could be injected into an AI product. And it, it just would be harder to hide, I think. Now, if you were talking about using AI in a weapons scenario, then I think they would up it to the, the greater uh, concern. But typically, when they're just doing databases or research or something, it's not going to make sense. It's going to get caught. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, oof. That, that gives me a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, room for pause there. I just, I, I think about that really scares me. So I have two last questions for you. So, uh, the last one is that, uh, the thing that jumped out at me about this article was how scalable artificial intelligence makes all of these potential, uh, infractions, these criminal acts that they could do. And uh, I guess like, uh, it's not just that it's scalable. It's just that, a lot of the countermeasures are greatly out of our control. So like that links thing that you mentioned, that, that doesn't seem like we have a lot of control over that. But uh, what kind of advice do you have for just the general you know, populace, uh, Joe and uh, Joanna taxpayer out there to try to not become victims of these types of technologies? Well, I think you have to be very skeptical. Um, it, sometimes if you if you encounter this stuff in a business setting, there's almost always somebody you can send it to to, to say, is this safe? Um, what is this? You know, so that, that's that we just gave a, a cybersecurity training this afternoon for a corporation, a large corporation, and they have an email and you just send the email to that email and they'll tell you what to do with it. So, you know, that's easy. Now, if you're small, that's not so, so hard. But in terms of determining uh, the truth of what you see in here, I think you have to look to credible sources. So if you see something that really is amazing and it gets debunked, you're probably going to see it in the New York Times very quickly, along with a lot of other credible sources. So don't be quick to believe, especially if it seems like this does not sound right. <laughs> All right, last question for you. So let's say that you and me and John Simic are going to go watch an ultimate fighting uh, event at the Octagon. And let's say there's two competitors. One is uh, James T. Kirk and the other one is Jean-Luc Picard. Uh, which uh, Star Trek Enterprise captain wins that fight? Oh, that's easy. <laughs> it's Jim Kirk. Yeah, I agree with you. That, that J J James Tiberius Kirk will never be overcome. <laughs> I agree. I agree. His uh, his drop kick uh, that he uses in the especially the first uh, seasons when he's a little bit more nimble definitely a uh, <laughs> definitely a KO event for anybody on the other side of it. Uh, you you got that right. My money's on James. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Sharon. And thank you so much, uh, listeners, for tuning in. If you like what you heard, please rate us in your favorite podcasting app. Also, we'll cite and make available our sources for this episode on our website, LegalTalkNetwork.com. And one more time, we've got to thank our sponsor for making this program possible, NBI, the National Business Institute. You can find them at NBI-SEMS.com. Don't forget the promo code LegalTalkNBI to receive $100 off your next CLE. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you.